Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. But what I want to do today is wrap up our series and um, not just wrap it up, but I just want to give you two thoughts. One is going to be very encouraging and one is going to be very challenging. Is that all right? Can I just tell you ahead of time? One, it's going to, I hope one brings you peace, one brings you joy, one brings you strength, but the other one is going to challenge you. And the reason I did that is because as we come to the end of the year, there's a lot to be grateful for. Isn't that right? But there's also a lot of improvement to be made. Isn't that right? Amen. So that's what I want to do today. Um, If you have your bulletin, open it, pull out the outline. You can follow along with me. So for the past five weeks, we've been asking this one simple but very important question. What's the big deal with Christmas? Why is Christmas so special? Why, how is it that an event that happened 2,000 years ago can continue to impact us today? And we said that the answer is Jesus. That the saying may be cheesy, Jesus is the reason for the season. It may be cheesy, but it's true. It's true. Jesus, he is what makes Christmas special. So then we ask, well, what is it about Jesus? What is it that he did? What is it about Jesus that makes Christmas so special? And we've been building kind of like this foundation, right? And we've been looking at four statements. And today I want to look at the last one that answers why is Christmas so special? What is it that Jesus did that makes it so special? And on week one, and you can fill this out in your outlines, we said that Christmas is special because on Christmas, God came to earth. That he came to earth. That Jesus is God and he came to earth. That Jesus is not just God-like. That Jesus is not just a good teacher that he's fully God. Colossians 2, 9, and your outline says the following. It says, for Christ is not only God-like, he is what? God. And about 2,000 years ago, God came to earth. But it didn't stop there. The second week, we looked at the second reason Christmas is special, and you can fill that out in your outline as well, and that's because he became human. God did not just come to earth. He didn't come in some magic uh, appearance. He didn't come in the stars. He didn't come in a tornado. No, he came and he became human like you and me. And we said that Jesus did not only come looking for us, but he became one of us. And and here's the thing. Jesus was 100% human and continues to be 100% human today because of you and because of me. The third reason Christmas is special is that not only did God come to earth and not only did he come as human, but he came for our benefit. He came for our benefit. He came to show us what God is truly like so that we don't have to guess, so that we don't have to manipulate, so that we don't have to wonder, so that we can really know what God is like. Jesus said, if you have seen the Father, you have seen me. He came for our benefit. He came to show us that we can trust God. And then last week, we looked at the big reason, the main reason God came to earth, right? And that is that he came to die for us. 
He came to die for us. And the reason he needed to die for us is to restore us into a relationship with the Father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come through the Father but through me. And Jesus could make that such exclusive statement because he was the only person to never sin and because he was fully God, he was qualified for the payment of our forgiveness. Look at what Matthew 20, 28 says. The son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a what? As a ransom for many. He bought us back. He freed us from sin by dying on the, uh, on the cross and resurrecting on the third day. Now listen, all those things are wonderful. We need to know that. That is foundational for our faith. Amen? But here's the thing. The last point is really the result of Christmas. And it still makes Christmas special. But because Jesus did all these things, the fifth point is the result. And here, here is where you and I get to respond. See, all the other points, we've been spectators. We've been on the receiving end. We've been on the, on the side where, where we just see things happen to us. But on this last point, we get to respond. We get to react. And I want you to fill this out in your outline. The fifth reason Christmas is special, which is the result of Christmas, is that Jesus is Lord, that he is Lord. And I'll explain what that means in just a minute. But that's huge, okay? Now, most of you, uh, I hope, I hope, tomorrow night, to, tomorrow night, tomorrow morning, uh, the few gifts that my wife and I bought our kids, we're going to open up those tomorrow morning. And one of the things that I'm going to do with my kids that I want to challenge you to do is that we're going to read the Christmas story. And we just read it right now. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. You could go a little bit further. Um, and we'll read the Christmas story. We're going to light a candle tomorrow as well because it's Jesus' birthday. Amen? And then we'll get to open our gifts because that's what you do on birthdays, right? Right? You sing happy birthday, you blow out the candles, and then you open up the gifts. Now, why do I say all that? Because the passage that we're about to read, most people would not consider it a Christmas passage. But not only is it a Christmas passage, it is one of the best explanations of the gospel that we have. The good news that bring great joy can be found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Look at what it says in your outlines. Look at what it says. It says, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, have the same mindset... As Christ Jesus. So Paul's talking about Jesus. And look at what he says. Who being in the very nature God, right? We talked that he is God. Did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So Jesus is God and Jesus became human. Verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So he came to die for us. Now, here's the result of what Jesus did. Verses 9 through 11. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above what? Every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth. And check this out. I don't know if you've ever noticed this. And under earth, right? And every 
tongue acknowledge that what? That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the last few weeks, we've been talking about how Jesus, being God, humbled himself. He deprived himself of privileges in heaven. He left his glory. He left heaven. He left eternity to come for us. In fact, that's what Paul says in verse 9. It says that because Jesus humbled himself, that what God did is that he exalted him. And isn't that what the Bible tells us? That those who humble themselves, what does God do? God exalts. But those that exalt themselves, what does God do? God opposes. God humbles. And in verse 9, we read what Paul says. It says, therefore, because Jesus humbled himself, because he came to earth, because he became a human, because he showed us the way, because he died for our sins, it says that therefore God exalted him to the highest place. Look at what Ephesians 1.22 says. It says, God has put all things under the authority of who? Of Christ. So who's above all? Who's above everything? Who is at the highest place? Jesus, because he's Lord. Once again, Ephesians 1.22, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of what? The church. And do you remember the very famous words of Jesus before he ascended to heaven? In Matthew 28, 18, what he told his disciples, here's what he said. It says, I have been given what? All authority in heaven and on earth. See, because Jesus humbled himself, he is now Lord. Did you know that the title Lord, it is the most common title used for Jesus? It is found over 600 times in the Bible. Now, what does Lord mean? What does it mean that Jesus is Lord? Well, the word Lord in the original language, which is Greek, means one possessing authority, power, and control. One possessing authority, power, and control. Let me tell you what it would mean in our day. It would mean a Lord is somebody who's a master, somebody who rules, somebody who's number one, the big boss, the king of kings and lord of lords. See, in the Roman Empire, which was the governing um, uh, uh, people in the times of Jesus, in in the Roman Empire, the, the word lord was used of Caesar because they considered Caesar a god. And they would say, Caesar is lord. And not only was it an acknowledgement of his power, not only was it an acknowledgement of of his authority, it was also an act of worship. To say Caesar is Lord was just not to recognize his power, but it was also to worship him. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but in the times of Jesus, especially after Jesus died, the church did no longer say Caesar is Lord. They began to say Jesus is Lord. He's the one with power. He's the one worthy of worship. And let me tell you something. Every time that they refused to say Caesar is Lord and they would say Jesus is Lord, many of them lost their lives. 
Many of them were thrown into coliseums to be fed to lions or to fight gladiators as an spectacle to the rest of the world that if you did not recognize Caesar as Lord, that's what would happen to you. But the early church, they understood that Caesar was in power, but that there was somebody higher because there was only one who had defeated the death and resurrected on the third day. And they understood, hey, Jesus, he left heaven. He became human. He showed us the way. He died for us, but he's Lord. He is Lord. Now, what does that mean for you and me today? Well, here's where the encouragement and the challenge comes in. Let me give you the encouragement first. What does it mean for us today that Jesus is Lord? Well, number one, and you can fill this out in your outline, it means that I believe that he has everything under control. That Jesus is Lord should encourage us to know that he has everything under control. We may not, it may not appear like it does. It may not feel like it does. It may feel like darkness is winning. But when you understand that Jesus is Lord, you believe that he has everything under control. Amen. Look at what Daniel 2.21 says. It says, he controls the the course of the world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the what? To the scholars. There's a lot of talk that this next election that we're going to have here in America might lead to a civil war. And let me tell you something. It should matter to us who is president. But I want to tell you that regardless of who is president, my faith is in Jesus and he's still under control. Amen. He's the one who sets up presidents, kings, rulers, because he is Lord. Not only that, look at what Proverbs 19.21 says. It says, we make a lot of plans. Isn't that true? Some of you need to make some plans, okay? We make a lot of plans, but the Lord, the Lord will do what he would decide. Hey, I know you can't control your teenagers, but there's somebody who's still in control of their life. I know you can't control the financial economy in this world, but there's somebody who's in control of your finances in your life. I know maybe the doctors gave you some not so good news regarding your health, but there's somebody who's still in control and who created you and who can heal you once again. To believe, to know that Jesus is Lord is to believe that he's still in control. I mean, all you got to do is what? Look back a couple of years. Remember COVID? Remember how it felt like everything was out of whack? Like We didn't know what was going to happen. And we can look back and say, Jesus was still in control. So I don't know what's spinning out of control in your life. You may have lost control of it, but God has not. He is still in control. And you know what that means? That means we can have peace. That means we can have an assurance about our future. I don't know what our future holds, but I know who holds it. And I know that regardless of what happens in the future, the Lord is still in control. Amen. So whatever may be robbing you of your peace, whatever may be causing fear, if you would just today believe 
Jesus is Lord, you can have that peace and that assurance that knowing that he's in control brings to your life. Man, number two, here's the challenge. Telling me I got to finish. What does it mean that Jesus is Lord? Oh, here's the challenge. What does it mean? It means that I submit to him. If he's Lord, then I got to submit to him. I got to come under him. If he's above all, I got to put him first and everything else after him. Look at, look at what Paul says to the church in Rome, verse 14, uh, chapter 14, verses 79. Look at what it says. It says, if we live, check this out. This is so cool. If we live, we live for who? For the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. See, everybody wants to die and go with the Lord, but nobody wants to live and live for the Lord. And here's the, here's, here's the news. Here's the news. If you don't live for the Lord, you won't go with the Lord. Amen? If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or we die, we what? We belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the what? The Lord of both the dead and the living. Hey, what does it mean that Jesus is Lord in your life? Well, have you ever seen one of those signs that says under new management? That's what it means for Jesus to be Lord of your life. It means that there's a sign, not a physical one, but a evident one in your life that says, I'm no longer in control. I'm no longer calling the shots. I'm no longer doing things my way. There's somebody who is Lord and my life is under new management because I've submitted my life to him. I love what a theologian said. He said, unless Jesus is Lord of all, he's not the Lord at all. Unless he's Lord of all, he's not the Lord at all. And here's how I like to put it, and I'm sorry if it rubs up a few edges. Is that all right? Ladies, you want a man that's faithful, right? Not partially faithful, not faithful six days out of the seven days. Not more faithful than not faithful. You want a man that's what? Faithful. Well, the same works with Jesus. Either he's Lord of all or he's not the Lord at all. I love what David said in Psalm 13. The Lord is what? My shepherd. But what was he first? He was Lord, and then he was the shepherd. Look at what Luke 6, 46 says. So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Ouch. See, there's room for us to grow. See, and here's what that means. Sometimes we're good at giving Jesus certain compartments of our life, but Jesus wants access to all of your life. So let me give you a little checklist. You can just kind of make a mental note. Is Jesus Lord of your thoughts? Is Jesus Lord of your emotions? Is Jesus Lord of your vocabulary? Is Jesus Lord of your relationships? You ready for this one? Here's a big one, okay? 
Is Jesus Lord of your possessions? Does Jesus have access not just to your public life, but also to your public life? Because if he's Lord and he's got everything under control, well, then our response is that we ought to submit to him. Now, let me end with this, and I'm almost done. I don't know if Mark can come help me get the kids. When Jesus is Lord, you can handle anything and everything because there's nothing or no one above him. That means that if you're feeling depressed, you can say he's Lord and know that your future is not dependent on your emotions, but on his goodwill. When you get rejected, when you get forgotten, but you remember that he's Lord, you know that he's in control and that he hasn't forgotten you and he will not abandon you. See, that's the beauty of Christmas. That the baby that was born in a manger, that was born among animals, that was born not in an ideal bed, rose to be the Lord of all. And if you'd humble yourself and if you'd submit to him, he will exalt you as well. So that's my prayer. My prayer is that you would rediscover the power of that phrase, Jesus is Lord. Because when it feels like you're losing or when it feels like you are at the end of your rope, Jesus is Lord and he's still in control. Amen. Would you bow your head with me for just a minute? I know our kids are coming in. Just bow your head with me just a minute. Would you take a moment and just reflect in your own personal life? Is Jesus Lord of your life? Have you opened your heart to him and received them as Lord? Have you said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins and come live in my life? And if you've done that, how well are you doing at submitting every aspect, whether private or public, to Jesus? Would you take a few moments and just talk to him? If there's a hidden sin, if there's behavior or an attitude that you know God doesn't approve of, why don't you take this moment to say, Jesus, I'm grateful that you died for me, but I also acknowledge that you're Lord and I'm going to submit that area of my life to you and I'm going to change it. If you're here and you've never opened up your life to Jesus, we'd like to extend the invitation for you to make that decision today. Jesus is not an evil ruler or or a demanding dictator. He gave his life to rescue you, to free you, to love you. And if today you would like to make that decision to say, I need Jesus in my life, we'd love to help you do that. And right there where you are, we're not going to embarrass you, but I want to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. And I want to ask everyone who's already made that prayer to help me repeat it and benefit of those that would do it for the first time. Can you say, Heavenly Father, I come to you because I need you. 
I open my heart and I receive you as my Lord. I ask that you forgive all of my sins. And from today on, I'm going to learn to love you and to walk with you in my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. If you, as you remain with your eyes closed, if you made that prayer, we're not going to embarrass you. And the reason I've asked everyone to bow their heads, it's so that it's a private moment. If you made that prayer today, you'll receive Jesus. I'd like to be able to thank God for you. So I want to ask you right there where you are, would you raise your hand? Don't be shy. If you made that prayer today and you received Jesus, raise your hand. Don't be shy. I see one hand back there. I see another hand back there. Come on, don't be shy. I see two hands. Can we give the Lord a big round of applause? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for those hands that today received you as Lord and Savior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to invite my family to come up as well as the worship team. At this moment, we want to light the last candle. If you don't have a candle with you, you can raise your hand and one of our ushers will bring one to you. If you got little ones, we gave them a real candle. It's a real candle. So help us to be careful. Um, what we're going to do is that we're going to light this reef as we've been doing for the past four weeks. And then this light that starts here, it's going to work its way down. The pillar pastors are going to come up in just a few minutes and they're going to light their candles and they're going to go down to you. And they're going to light your candle. Then you're going to light your neighbors. And that's the light of Jesus. Amen. So I've asked my kids to be here with me. Macy, would you help me? So you're going to go around and we're going to do the last one at the end. On week one, we lit the first candle, the candle of preparation. And we said that it was a time to begin to prepare ourselves for the birth of Jesus. I don't know if you caught that when Jesus was born, there was no room found for him. Is there room for Jesus in your life? On the second week, we lit the second candle, the candle of love. The reason Jesus came is because he loves us. He loves us fully, perfectly, and completely. On the third week, we lit the candle of joy. Jesus is good news. If you think of Jesus and you think of heaviness, difficulty, you don't know Jesus because he's good news of great joy. And then last week, we lit the last candle, the candle of hope. And he brings us hope, and there's still hope for you today. Today, I want to light the last candle, and it's fitting that it's the candle of worship. Because of all that he brings us, what well, we could offer him back is worship. In Philippians, Paul says that because Jesus humbled himself, God elevated him. And that every knee one day will bow and acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus. 
and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.